And I want to ask for God's favor. Lord, thank you so much for the way that you have uh, proven yourself faithful again and again and again. You are always causing everything to work together for good to those who are called according to your name, according to your purpose. You are so kind. Lord, Ephesians 2.10, you are literally calling us to walk out the good works that you prepared and envisioned before the very foundation of the world. Lord, thank you that you're right here right now and that you're going to be speaking clearly to us in your word, to those on Facebook. And I, I, I want to say thank you. And I want to say, Abba, I need your favor right now. We do. To have hearts that are not hardened, minds that are not distracted by all the stuff that's going on in the world, the stuff that so much of it just means nothing. Lord, help us to run hard after you right now and open up our hearts, hearts in, in honesty to see you, your love, your truth, and how you call us to your side to walk out the grace you give us in your son. Lord, thank you. I'm asking in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. The self-emptied life and how, how Paul reveals that to us in his writings. He sets himself up as the first example, then of course Jesus, and then Timothy, Epaphroditus, and then Paul loops around again and say, hey, I'm the example. I'm the example of, of a person who's like a, an athlete. I will not stop. I will not quit. I will push on. And then he brings up this, this unnamed person. We don't know who this guy is. All that, we, all that we know about him is that he's a loyal yoke fellow or he's also known as a true comrade or a faithful. We don't know who the guy is, but whoever he is, he's an example and he's cut after the pattern. Um, these are some pictures of people that are a part of the pattern, the, the, the typos, the example that Jesus gives us about the self-emptied life. The first guy on the left, Bill Brown. I tell you, when I'm around Bill Brown, I feel very, very safe. Uh, Brian, when I'm with you, I feel safe. And Bill Brown has that way about him. I, I feel like I am under the wings of someone radically committed to protect me when I'm with Bill Brown. That's Marcine, uh, an amazing follower of Jesus who dedicates her life to care for little children and literally a part of saving their lives. She's the chief of surgery at Arkansas Children's Hospital in Northwest Arkansas. The, the next lady is, is Maureen uh, Nevitt. She is affectionately known to my granddaughters in Canada as Nana Maureen. When Justin and Andrea were in Durham, England, and, and in that culture, and them foreigners, and their accents and all that, uh, Nana Maureen went to them at church and said, I want to adopt you. I want to be your Nana. And so for the next three years in Durham, England, Nana Maureen just poured into Justin and Andrea and would take them out on play dates and go to the beach and all that stuff and taught them a bit about English tea and these kinds of things. What, what you don't know about Nana Maureen is that she and her husband run a secondhand thrift store and they sell used stuff 
in Durham. And that money goes to build buildings and fund orphanages in Africa. Wow, what an example of a lady who's emptied herself and is, and is giving herself to serve people in need. You see the others, these are some, some men in my life, and uh, I think if there's one word that I would describe for these, those next few guys, it's courage. And I have the most profound respect for these men, and they, they model themselves after the idea, I think, of courage and of sacrifice, and I, I have so much respect for them. Wanted you, I wanted to get a little, little personal with you about the people in my life and how important they are. And by the way, and I'm not saying this uh, in a cliche-ish kind of way, but, but you all, all of you, push me, push me forward in my calling to live a self-emptied life. Um, this is the pattern of the self-emptied life that we looked at last Sunday. We do observe baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we do that because we're born again. We've experienced the new birth. Uh, we memorize the words of Jesus. We act like he would act. We practice faith. Um, and sometimes faith is standing there and doing nothing, and sometimes faith is getting going and getting the work done. It's all those things. We practice sound doctrine, prayer, fasting, this gift of forgiveness, which is an ongoing thing, by the way, love, our gift, knowing your gift, the fruit of the Spirit, maintaining unity in the body of Christ. And we're going to really focus on that this morning. And then the practice of giving to make sure that we're meeting the needs of people and supporting the work uh, of the gospel. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, an amazing text that's had a huge impact on my life as I tried to understand the church and what the church is all about. It reads as follows from the New American Standard. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia, and I urge Sintuke, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion. That's that loyal yoke fellow. I ask you also, help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, as well as the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. What's going on? Why does Paul write this way? If I could translate verse 1 from the Greek text, I would say it's going to be something like this. Therefore, or because of what I just said about this pattern, therefore, the brothers and sisters that I love, the brothers and sisters, loved ones of me, I'm asking you, I, I, I want you to know that I long to see you all because joy, because you're the joy and crown of me. I want you to stand firm. By the way, that's a verb, a command. I'm commanding you to stand firm in the Lord, the ones I love. This is some of the most loving and affectionate language that Paul ever writes in the New Testament. It's very tender, and Paul loves this church. They are the crown and joy. So let's, let's walk through some of this 
Uh, brothers and sisters, the one that I love, my, loves, my, my beloved one says it again. Um, my joy and crown. It's important that you get this. The word crown is Stephanos. All right, uh, it's the name Stephen. It means to be crowned. Uh, what's interesting is that the Olympic Games would take place not far from this area. All right? And when a person won a particular event, they were, they were decorated with a Stephanos. They were decorated with a crown. Sometimes it would be laurel leaves. Oddly enough, from our culture, sometimes they were decorated with celery leaves. And we think, celery leaves, that's a cheap crown. Didn't last very long. Uh, that's the point. That is the point. An earthly crown like that doesn't last very long. Paul has the idea of a crown and of honor from heaven that lasts forever. But he says of this church, you're my joy and you're my crown. How about this? Do you think Paul, if, if the church at Philippi failed, do you think Paul would feel like a failure? We're live with questions. Anybody online, Facebook, please let us know you're here and I want you to post questions or comments. Do you think if the church at Philippi failed and maybe a split took place between these two women, do you think Paul is a failure as an apostle and as a missionary? Anybody? I don't think he's a failure, but I can definitely see how in our human mistake he would feel that he way. Would feel that yeah, Edie, you think so? Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Actually, Joe, yeah, actually, that's the case. Paul is, is, it's a bit of a play on words. He's saying more than one thing when he says, you're my joy and crown. Because he's calling them to this, this self-emptied life, a life truly patterned after Jesus. And he says, you guys are my joy and crown. Hint, hint. If you do what I say, if you stand firm in the Lord and you learn to get along, I win. I get the, I get the celery on my ear. <laughs> I win the race. And not only here on earth do I win because I feel like I'm a good apostle, but I win in heaven, and you do too. So there's a deep, there's a deep um, uh, meaning behind these words that you're my joy and you're my crown. And I think it has everything to do with right here, right now, if he doesn't fix this problem between the two ladies, or even in the future in heaven, Paul wants to win. Remember in chapter 3, he said, hey, you know what? I'm forgetting what's behind me, and I am leaning in, fixing my eyes on the prize of the upward call of God. Paul wants to win this race above all things. Stand firm. Very, very strong verb. It's an imperative. Stake a tay. Guys, do not slip away do not pull back from your commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord in this way. That's the pattern. Don't, don't move away from the pattern, my beloved ones. Okay, so I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintuke. Uh, it's interesting in Greek. You are young, perikalo, kai, sintukein, perikalo. The way he's forming the language is this. He's treating both ladies within a word of, of appeal, I urge. He's using the same word for both ladies. Euodia, I'm urging you. Sintuke, I'm urging you. 
One of the reasons why Paul is doing that, and this is pretty brilliant, he's not taking sides. He's not taking sides. We have no idea. Historians, theologians, the best minds poured, it, poured over this text. We, they don't know what the problem was. We don't know. They don't know. They don't know if it is a power struggle between two churches. Randy, you've commented, you know, Lydia started the, the church at Philippi in her home. Did it outgrow her home? Possibly, right? And a second church formed, and Euodia is a key leader in that second church, and maybe Lydia, who possibly died, is a leader in the, the other church. And you've got two competing churches. And maybe egos are on the line. We don't know. Uh, we're not sure even just what kind of status these two ladies had. Some scholars say it is very possible that they were high-level leaders in the church, even to the tune of pastoral leadership and undoubtedly missionary preaching leadership. Because he says, these ladies shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel. So they were doing some frontline intense work. Something happened between these two ladies. Personalities, I don't know if you're like me, some people rub me, rub me the wrong way. Others, like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest person I've ever met in my life. You know, you can have both aversion and attraction signals when you get around people. Was it a personality conflict? We don't know. Here's something that's really interesting. In terms of the policy, you know the terms and in, in terms and conditions, you know that idea, terms and conditions. If you're going to write a letter in the first century, the terms and conditions of your writing, guess what? You don't write about women. You don't. <laughs> Rule number one, don't write about women. Why? Because it's a man's world. That's why. Done. Number two, if you are going to write about women, they've got to be extremely good. Like really amazing ladies. Or they're really, really bad. They're, they've got a Jezebel spirit or they're just incredible like Mary. One of the two. Nothing in the middle. You just don't do it. That's how they did their world. We do our, our world and we have our own unique cultural bents and tendencies and all that stuff. You don't write about women, period. If you do, it's because they're really awesome or they're really, really terrible. Now, in my mind, it is clear it's because these two ladies are awesome. They're amazing, amazing ladies. Paul is not, Paul is not shaming them by saying, these are bad, don't be like them. He's doing something else. Okay. The fact that, however, awesome ladies in church, great. However, because he's bringing up their names, what's going on? Why would he bother to use their names? These are awesome ladies. Why? Specifics. What's that? Specifics. Yep. Give me a little more. Why would he bother to use their names? Help them know that they were important. Absolutely. 
It, do, it does affirm them. But it also gives, gives light. By the way, this letter is read publicly to the church. How would you like your local leader to read a document that includes your name and the fact that you might be a troublemaker? <laughs> Accountability. Accountability, because whatever it is that they have, whatever their status is and whatever the problem is, Patch, it's bad enough that it's hurting the church. And therefore, he's got to name names. Whatever it is, it's serious enough that Paul chooses to name names. Okay? And we'd love to minimize it and say, well, they had a fuss about how much wine they had to serve at the Lord's Supper. Something small. Or it could be something really big. We don't know. But it's enough that Paul chose to write about them. And then he commands them to live in harmony in the Lord. This is what is important. Please don't miss this. The word live in harmony is actually have the same mind. Frone, have the same mind. It's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I want you two ladies to have the same mind in the Lord. In other words, get back to the pattern of the self-emptied life that we find in Jesus Christ. And then he calls on this mysterious person, this Ganesia Sudzika. How's that for a cool name? We have no idea what that means. Is it a nickname? Like, hey, buddy, my, my true pal. We don't know what Ganesia Sudzike means, we do know it means loyal friend, loyal yoke fellow, true companion, my partner in, in, in law enforcement, something like that. We don't know who this person is. Some say it's, some say it's Timothy. Some say it's Epaphroditus. Uh, some say, Justin, it's the whole church. And Paul is asking the whole church to take ownership in restoring this person, these two ladies. Whoever this person is, he's saying, I ask you to help. Uh, the Greek word here, sulimbano, it would be like saying, literally the word means together, all y'all need to get a grip on this problem. That's the best way to translate it. Lambano means to grab, take hold of. Sulimbano, I want all, I want all y'all to get a grip on this problem. And I want you to fix this thing with these two ladies. And these ladies, look at this, this is amazing. These ladies have shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Um, look at this word right here. Soon, that means with, and that right there is athletes. With athleticism, these two ladies have struggled and fought with me. The pictures here, this is from the second century. These are the gladiator games that were featured in the Colosseum and, and other areas around the Roman world. Uh, the, the gladiator games flourished first century to the second to third century A.D. Big, big deal. And sometimes these were elite warriors. Sometimes they were, they were slaves. Sometimes they were criminals. You guys understand capital punishment? One way Rome thought they would do capital punishment is to take a really bad criminal and throw him out there with the gladiators. Let's see how he fares. So there's 
There's capital punishment turned into a spectacle. Take a criminal, turn him loose with the professional fighters. The gladiators, it was serious business. Now, almost all males, almost all males, with some exception, there were some women, women from Ethiopia who were fierce gladiators. Gladiatrices. This is a rare stone relief of two women that were actually in gladiatorial combat. It's very rare that we have that. Okay. The word sunatletes literally is translated into, into accurate historical language, Randy, gladiators. These women fought like gladiators in the cause of the gospel. Randy, sounds like missionaries to me. Sounds like preaching in high-risk, dangerous places, which would be the marketplace where everybody would hear it, all the political leaders of the city would hear it, military personnel would hear it. These gals are willing to preach the gospel, give the gospel, seek to persuade people to follow Jesus in public at-risk places. That takes guts, a lot of guts. And these two ladies are amazing. They're not extremely bad, Paul's calling them out. They're extremely good. And Paul is asking them to not get beat in this game of petty disagreements, but to stay the course and to not lose sight of why we are here. And, and then he calls on Clement and the other people, we don't know who they are, whose names are in the book of life, who also know the gift of salvation. They want all of these people to come together around these two women to restore them. All right. This is going to be good. You are the body of Christ. Now what that means is, it means you're born again. It means the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And that means you have dedicated your life to submit to the pattern. It's not a game we play. It's a life we live. It's not, it's not some fancy philosophical idea we ascend to for an hour or so once a week and then we forget about it and go to a completely different way of thinking the rest of the time. This is the mind of Christ. That is who you are. This is very, very serious. Okay. If you were to counsel us to speak from your gifts, those online, if you are to join in this, how do we move this teaching from the first century world to a small church in a town called Philippi that was packed with Roman soldiers? It was a Roman colony. How do we pull it from that world to our world today so that we are doing what it takes to stand firm in the Lord? We are doing what it takes to have the same mind of Christ. We are doing what it takes to help each other stay the course. We're doing what it takes to be shoulder to shoulder as a kind of modern day gladiator, not ashamed of the gospel. 
because we all share in the common ground of our names written in the book of life. You are the church. How would we live this out? What would you say? Absolutely. And um, I'm just wondering, this, we talked earlier in your teaching too, that this could be possibly a compilation of letters that were found. There yes. There more than just this one letter written to the Church of Philippi. He makes the transition between addressing the overseers and the elders in chapter 1, <clears throat> coming here and he's addressing a person in this case. I guess as far as application is concerned, this application verse 3 we all need to be that true companion who encourages one another Yeah. just as he's encouraging whoever this is that he's addressing to help these ladies work in harmony with the Lord knowing that we're not if we do have a disagreement we're not each other's enemy There, but there is an enemy fighting to split us yeah could you say that again please which part? That last part. Yeah, it was awesome. We we do not have we have an enemy, but we together are not each other's enemy. But we have an enemy that is fighting to split a church, which is what is happening in this case. And Paul's encouraging them. Let these encourage these women to live their life out in harmony, in honor of the Lord. Yeah. Which is what we need to do. Randy, thank you. That's so critical. So often. We will have good friends as long as there's good agreement. But the minute there's a disagreement or the minute there's a stumbling, a sin of whatever variety, personality conflict, it's over. Which means we don't have the ability to endure relationships that become difficult. So this Genesia Sudzigas, this loyal companion person, he is a model Setting up, again, the self-emptied life, a model of how to hang in there and not quit, even when some of the relationships hurt a little bit or a lot of bit. Randy, thank you. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, Edie, uh, you're, you're speaking wisdom to, to aff- affirm what you just said. There are some things that, some hills that are not worth dying for. Is that one way to put it? Some things that don't necessarily matter that much, right? But there are some things that absolutely matter. And, and you can't let go of these things. How about this? A name written in the book of life. I mean, if we're all going to the same place when we die, <laughs> that's a great, it's a great place to start in unity. Is that right? Joe. You know, given how he describes these two ladies, I highly doubt this is a petty argument. This is probably something that if we knew what the subject was, we'd go, wow. That, it, it's serious, whatever I, it is. I yeah. very seriously doubt people who have put that much into uh, working with Paul front lines are going to split over the color of the paint on the wall. Yeah. That being said, Paul knows what Christ knew when he said, I pray they be one. Disunity in the body is cancerous to the gospel. Say that again. Disunity of the body is cancerous to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Not only are we not there for each other, the world sees it and can immediately discredit the gospel. Yeah. Well, look at them. They're just like us. They're five, yeah. they, they subtract, they split. They're no better than us. They're no different. Yeah, yeah. If you want to follow Christianity through your little self-help program, that's great. But I've got my pick of those. Yeah. And when yeah. we when we're not unified, we pretty well degrade the gospel down to self. Joe, you just quoted uh, John's Gospel, chapter sixteen and seventeen. Father, I pray that they're one, just as you and I are one, that the world may believe you sent me. When we are disunified, it's a kind of cancer. It's a tiny, kind of downgrading of the gospel. And conversely, it's the love that creates the unity that validates us. That makes it real. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Patch. The fact that Paul specifically calls out these two women, and then a verse later uses an ambiguous true companion. I don't know the story, but I don't want to be biblically uh, irresponsible, but to take this to the 21st century, that ambiguity helps me latch on to the fact that he's not putting the responsibility on one individual to create that unity. If we read that as the church, then our responsibility is to lift up the Eudodias in our our lives in some ways. And reflecting back to the previous verses, he gave us sort of a template. If you're going to model me, because I model Christ, you're going to reflect that. Well, now you have the ability, because you're reflecting Christ, to join these women in the cause of the gospel to that is it, that is so wise it's all here's here's my deal have you guys noticed that so much about our faith is theoretical can we be honest for a bit can we pull back the veil it's a bit theoretical isn't it all this stuff on forgiveness and the bible says forgive and love it's a, a lot of this is theory it, now it's truth but it's almost presented in the theoretical Right, But then all of a sudden you find yourself sideways in a relationship and now what you're going to do about it? Now what? Now what? Okay. So Pat, you're right. A lot of theory is given, a lot of theology in chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. Chapter 3, watch out for the bad people. Pay attention to the good people. We're going to run the race. We're going to keep going. Not going to be quitters. But when you get to this verse, it's go live. What I've just said in two and three, it's, it moves from the theory to the practical. It's a go-live test. And I'm glad that, I, I think you're wise. 
I'm glad we don't know who that guy is. Because if it's the pastor, guess what? <laughs> it's all my fault, Ed. <laughs> it's all my fault. I can't, keep, I, can't, I, can't, I can't help people love each other. It's all my fault, you know. I'm kind of glad he's unnamed because you're right. It means we all own this thing to one degree or another. We all own this thing. This is so good. Um, Janice, I think you raised your hand. Well, I was going to kind of ask a question because I almost, do you think that is what happened to the church in general over these last 2,000 years? We have Nazarene, we have Catholic, we have Jehovah's Witness, we have all these different things that have just kind of, some have stayed true to the word and some have really kind of gone off the sure, deep end and sure. just picked a verse and then that's kind of how they built their faith around it. It seems like because they have fought against each other, there's been splits and then changes in how we believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am not a soldier. I'm not a police officer. But I have been told by those who are, especially the soldiers, one way to defeat your enemy is to what? Divide them. Get them distracted over here, get them distracted over there. And if you can get that done, they're more easily defeated. So, uh, Terry? Yes. Uh, I am making the assumption that the Church of Philippi survived. Yes, it actually did. Yes. Good, good call. Yes. They made it. <laughs> so, these two powerful ladies within this church reconciled somewhat so the church can flourish. We hope so. We hope, yes. Yeah. Either yeah. that or one went somewhere else. Uh, and today, trying to bring that into our lives now, it seems to me that you need to be courageous. Yeah. And stand up for your faith when the opportunity presents itself. Don't back down yeah yeah be willing to defend it and i'm not talking about going to fisticuffs yeah or physical means mm -hmm. i'm talking about being able to present the gospel to the best of your ability yeah yeah and do it without reservations yes yeah that is so good Yes, especially if you do anti-imperial things in Philippi. And that's where the gladiator kind of tough spirit comes in. Absolutely. Philip? I have just a quick question. Um, based off of how I'm reading this, it seems like Yodia and Syntyche are the two that are having the big spat. Yep. Right? Yep. They're the two that have a big disagreement. Yeah. And then there's a third party that's being asked to help intervene. Yes. And I can I kind of understand if I'm an offending party in it, kind of my perspective on how I need to look at Christ and loving on that brother in the same manner. And at work, we're taught if it's between two other people and you're not involved, don't get involved in that argument or don't get involved in that burning bridge. But how does someone as a third perspective come in in a manner of grace to help diffuse a situation is my question, I guess, because... They're not in the wrong, but they're trying to make something right. Yeah, and without choosing side, which, right. which is what Paul's avoiding. Boy, there's the, there, there's the question. You're the church. Own it. 
the loyal yoke fellow, the true companion, what is he going to do? Is he going to be like mom and say, y'all shake hands and start again and both apologize. Do it now. Or what Lisa did when Rebecca, I know you think Rebecca's perfect. She is not. (laughs) I'm just telling you, she can be mean and sneaky in her meanness and poor Andrea, poor Saint Andrea. She just, it was so hard on Annie. Anyway, when they would get into it, one of the things we did is we made them face-to-face hug and not let go until the giggling started. And then once that, then we, we okay, now they can get along now. So, so maybe that's what happened. This true companion said, y'all hug, and until I hear giggling, you're not going to let go. I'm sure that did not happen. What do you think? How did they do it? Or how would you advise him? What would you say, Ed? I think there's a perspective maybe there that's... Uh that the damage of the division is greater than whatever it is they're arguing about. Yes. And so maybe that's the approach that person would have to take in that situation. Your spat, the fact that you're choosing to get at odds, so, it's so much at odds with each other that it attracted the attention of Paul off somewhere else. Yeah, 800 miles away. Yeah, is is a greater, uh, and, and this might be another piece of this, is a greater uh, eternal perspective <laughs> than whatever it is that you're arguing about right now. And so, and so, can, and so that, that drives also to the point of the issue of eternal perspective <laughs> versus what am I facing today? And how does eternal perspective speak into what I'm facing today? Does it make does it make what I'm facing more important, or does it make what I'm facing seem like mm, I could probably let go of that? I could probably put that to the side and not to be so worried about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. So so maybe that would be an approach for that person to take. Is let's stop for a second. Let's pause on this argument for a second and think about. The eternal perspective of the division your spat is causing in our church, mm. and whether or not what you're arguing about is really more important wow. than the division yeah. you're Ed, you just quoted chapter 2 right there in 1415, that we appear as shining stars, as stars in the heavens, and when we grumble and complain and there's disputes, we appear as, as a corrupt witness. Uh, absolutely. So some, uh, Stephen, someone online? Yeah, Sabrina says, I like the word picture of us being shoulder to shoulder like gladiators to further the, further the cause of Christ and to, encur- and to encourage one another. Yeah, thank you, Sabrina. Thank you very, very much. Someone else on how we would live this out in a practical way? Anybody? I got a question. Yes, sir. What if you fail to unite? What if you kind of just Say goodbye. Just, just not, not, not reach out. What if you feel to, in that instance, uh, go send back to the police car and have every opportunity to reach out for her? And I is like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do this. And I kind of walk away. You get tired. Yeah. What do you What do you think when you're, when you're? A cop, when you're a part of the answer, you're not a part of the problem, 
and you're dealing with maybe a little bit of burnout or at least exhaustion, if not burnout. And you could have some influence. You could pour yourself out. Again, that self-emptied person. But you're really tired. What would you tell him? What would you tell Brian? I think everyone has moments like that. Yeah. 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 Right, and we choose sides. It's inevitable you do that, you're going to choose sides. Yeah, agreed. Um, this is fun. Can, it, can we get honest about Paul? Do you understand that he's called St. Paul, but sometimes he wasn't so saintly, right? What happened with Paul and Barnabas? Yeah, so Paul and Barnabas go off on a major mission trip and they take a kid with them named John Mark. And whether John Mark got homesick and he kind of chickened out and he, wanted, he begged for a bus ticket to go back home, kind of botched the mission trip up a little bit, it <coughs> flew all over Paul. And Barnabas, you know, he's the, what does his name mean in Aramaic Hebrew? Son of encouragement. So he's always saying, oh, come on. You're a, I see good in you, come on. So Barnabas is the all-inclusive, it's okay, love everybody. And Paul is like, nope, we got a rule book here. You sign terms and conditions of the mission trip. No quitters allowed. And so Barnabas wanted to take him on the second trip, and Paul said no. And it says, quote-unquote, in the book of Acts, the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas was so heated they parted ways. Ouch. You want to say, Paul? Looks like you're not practicing what you're preaching, boy. Maybe so. Maybe he did that when he was a young gun with the gospel. And he was tough and strong. By the way, it's really early in his career, by the way. Really early. All right. And Randy, sometimes when we're young... Ed, what is that line that you say? There's a lyric. When I was young and everything, what is it? I had so much to say back when I knew it all. I had so much to say <laughs> back then when I knew it all. I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that going on. Paul's young gun, and he, he doesn't have many scars at this point. Okay? He's got a lot of answers, not a lot of scars. And But by the time Philippians is written, it's late on the timeline. He's in prison. He's facing death, a capital punishment uh, charge against him, and he's hoping that Caesar will rule in his favor. And he's got the news about these, the female versions of himself and Barnabas at Philippi, and scarred and beaten up. He says, hey, you help him to get along. You help him to get the same mind. I think Paul is reflecting back 
I wish I could have had a redo with Barnabas. By the way, my, my Bible buffs, did Paul do a redo with Barnabas and John Mark? Yes. 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 And that's awesome news. So, Andrew. I just want to think about the yoke, the yoke fellow. I just see that person as a bridge who probably really loved both women. And since this issue is clearly not about somebody preaching a false gospel, and we don't know what the issue is now, that means it wasn't important at all in the grand scheme of things. So what you've got is somebody who loved both of them, who was probably validating what was true about what each one of them wanted. And there's just something about that person who will stand in the middle and love two people can sometimes bring two people that are apart. They're a middle connector yeah. for two people who are choosing this connection. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, you're wise because it is love that has the most healing effect. And if this loyal yoke fellow comes at the problem with a rule book, it's probably going to go down in flames. And honestly, a lot of times when you tell people, well, you just need to think about the future or all that kind of stuff, it just makes them matter because that thing that they want is really, it's really important. And, I, and they both just needed to be heard. And they needed somebody to be a bridge of, to be a bridge of, love and to say, I'm not going anywhere. I like that. I like that. Very good. Brian, put you on the spot here, buddy. How many years have you served? 24. Who's counting? You are. I have three years, six months. I, I, I know it. And <laughs> you can get it down to the hour. I mean, I know, yeah, I know your brain. Do you, be, be candid with us. You're safe. Safe question. Are you, do you really honestly feel appreciated in your 24 years? Today, I believe. Yeah. I'm assuming there are lots of moments when you didn't. I, I wasn't paying attention a few years back, so I really didn't notice. Yeah. Um, even with everything going on, as crazy it is, uh, I feel appreciated Yeah, but is it because you appreciate it? Do you believe other people appreciate you? Is the question. I, I know some. some I know a lot. Yeah. I know most. Yeah. yeah. If I ask you this, how many times are you at risk for losing your life over twenty-four years? Thousands. Thousands. Thousands upon thousands. Every day. You get the monkey suit on, the uniform on. It's a day of risk. Yeah. And I'm imagining, Brian, even if you're not physically worn out. You're mentally worn out, right? Yeah. And someone who would just love you and accept you for who you are and genuinely appreciate you could be pretty healing for you. Yeah. 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 I think you're right, Andrea. Yeah. I think Yodia and Sintuke paid a high price to be a gladiator in a Roman colony. Someone else and how this how this pulls into our world. You all, this is beautiful what you're doing. Thank you. Somebody else? Anybody online, Stephen? Anybody? Thank you again, Sabrina.
somebody. Okay. I, I, I want to make a, a personal comment. Um, uh, Christ Church, you, what, what you may not realize fully is that for me, and I know Lisa too, but I want to I make this about me for a minute. Uh, you're my joint crown. Uh, I had a, a radical encounter with the Lord in December, or rather in, in, in 1997. And 10 years later, Lisa and I dared to start this thing in our living room. And Lisa, you and I have been shoulder to shoulder as gladiators in this thing for, we're getting close to 40 years in this stuff. And you've served like a gladiator very, very quietly in the, in the background, very quietly. Um, we've heard a lot. We've got our scars. And Brian, there's times when the fatigue of the soul is far greater than fatigue of the body. You know about that. When you feel like you can't lift your arms up anymore. I don't know if you ever felt like turning the wheel on that patrol car gets hard, but you, you, you know what I'm talking about. And we've been there. Um, we started this place in 07, and here it is 2020. Uh, 13 years later, I have had more joy and felt like there's more winning of the race, the Stephanos, this crown, uh, here because of you all. And I, I want to say thank you. I see you as a true comrade. I see you as a loyal yoke fellow. And I am grateful beyond words. Uh, I've seen miracles last week. I watched them in front of my very eyes. I had a client referred out of Jonesboro, and I watched healing happen right in front of my eyes. And all that was possible because of you all. You are a joy and a crown to me. And I want to say thank you for standing firm in the Lord, having the same mind with me. It means everything to me. So. Wow, this has been good. Um, I love you, Christchurch. I need you. I need you as my, my co-gladiators. I need you. I do. I want to pray over us, and we're going to worship. Lord, you're, you are kind. You are so kind. And you work with us, and, and your heart is to heal and restore. You are a redeemer. You're all about redeeming relationships, people. More than anything, the great redemption from the judgment of hell through your son, Jesus Christ. For you loved us, the world, so much that you gave your son that if we would believe him, we would know eternal life. And our names would be written in your book. Abba, Father, thank you. Thank you for each person, what they share. Abba, Father, please bless us to open our hearts and put our faith to melody and song and lyric and our worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen.